Oh my gosh, I'm adopting a puppy right now. But I realize what's at home. Oh no, I have nothing. Well, except unconditional love. But yeah, no crate, no pee pee pads, no dental chews for his little puppy teeth. Before I doubt myself as a new parent, I just get Instacart to deliver everything from PetSmart. Easy, just like raising a puppy is going to be, right? Get pet essentials from PetSmart with Instacart. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. We are live. Um, this light is way too bright. I'm going to fix that in a second. But Russ has something he wants to talk to you about. <laughs> so the uh, second episode of Hard Knocks dropped yesterday. And here, here is what my basic takeaway is. The NFL wants you to see what they want you to see. There's, there's a lot more editing now that goes on in Hard Knocks then I think we, the fans and the hardened fans would really like all that said still pretty entertaining. The worst part I think is if you're a Raiders fan, you don't really worry about how the players look. You don't really worry. And by the way, the year that the jets were on the hard knocks, I didn't even watch it because I knew their coach would play up to it. And I yeah. didn't want well, wasn't, to, wasn't that the Rex Ryan toe sucking? Uh... Yeah. I, I didn't want any part of that. <laughs> So I didn't want to know what you're talking about, but I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> Three minutes in, we have a toe sucking reference. There we go. Yeah, that, that's, a, that, that's a record. <laughs> well, no, Rex, Rex Ryan uh, outed himself as a foot fetishist. He was talking yeah. He was talking to his wife, and they. I mean, who isn't a foot fetishist? Come on now. Yeah, really. and I think when all is said and done, I, I'm just kidding. Didn't they, cut, didn't they cut Danny Amendola that? that when he was trying out to that on that show, I'm not sure. I think so. And of course he's gone on to great things, but getting back to this, you know, yeah. F bombs later that John Gruden dropped. Hmm. He was like really too much of a hot and cold kind of coach for today's player <laughs> Like in his meetings. He's ripping them all right. and on the sideline. He's ripping them all. And then he brings them on the side later and says, Hey, you know, this was good. This was good. You know, I, I know I'm a jerk sometimes. And it's just, I think he just sends mixed messages to today's players. And the Antonio Brown stuff, like they showed his feet, they really underplayed it. And for two episodes going, you have no idea the Raiders are going to Las Vegas next year. That's the biggest thing that they're hiding from all the of NFL them. wants to do. Really? Come on. The NFL wants nothing mentioned with regards to that. <laughs> I mean, if it's a real training camp, you know it's being talked about by players and otherwise, and none of it has gotten picked up. Remarkably, remarkable. You're going to say remarkably, okay? Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's, first of all, anyone who thinks that these things aren't constantly edited, and that you know that I mean, the, this was the the best thing. Like I've said before, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Sorry. All right. I'm sorry. I was just, I was amazed at your lack of reaction to my incredible insight. Um, all right. No, but anyone who doesn't think these things are edited, aren't edited is just like, you know, I've always said the very first, you know, 24 seven or whatever you want to call it that HBO did where, you know, before the stuff they filmed before it hit the air mm -hmm. was awesome. Yeah. Then the second it hit the air, the second, players and coaches and all that got a, got a, got a whiff of what was going to be shown, like the kind of stuff that they like, the kind of stuff they were going to go for everything changes. Right. So you can't like, you, that's like, it, it's, 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 it's just human nature. Right. And, and there's no question that, you know, I mean, if you watch the Boudreaux stuff on the first 24 seven before that actually here, that was like some of the best inside sports things ever. Oh, it was amazing. But it, 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 it changed. It changed. And forever it changed. You know, Cause now, 
and 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 this show, which I've never I've never seen Hard Knocks, but I'm sure it's the same kind of thing. And and I know if anything, the N- the NFL even like monitors the message they're sending closer than the NHL does. Mm-hmm. You know, and the NHL is pretty pretty damn close about monitoring their message that they put out there. So yeah, this has to be edited. See, I, I would I I would think that the editing got worse, uh, got more stringent as it went along. But if that was the case, then the Randy Carlisle toast thing would have never gotten through the the, the toaster, the whole right. toaster thing. That 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 would have well, been. Well, there's still. I mean, there doesn't mean that there's not going to be still instances where they catch stuff on camera or they have a camera in the room. Maybe they didn't, they didn't know about it. It's possible. Well, yeah, the, the network, which back in the day was HBO, which is the same one that does Hard Knocks would certainly fight to keep that in and fight the league, I'm sure, on a lot of these shows to keep certain stuff in because it, it behooves their, their viewership. So I'm sure there are struggles that go on behind the scenes. Oh, there's tons of I've, – I've talked to people who worked on 24-7 um, when it was with HBO and then it moved to where it moved to now or whatever it moved around. I don't know, so. FX, I think it was on for a while, right? Then the NHL Network. Outdoor Life Network. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to people who've been involved in it and they've told me there have been constant struggles. And of course that is what you're doing, right? Because we all, we, all four of us have been in press boxes, have been around the situation before we know what's happening. You know, we know that what's going on here is that there is an absolute line you always tread because, you know, we have freedom of speech and freedom of press in this country, but we don't have freedom of access. So at any point in time, anyone can take that away from us. So as you're in there, there, it's a battle, like, and that's what twenty four seven people. That's what they've they've had to deal with too. You know, the, if they put out stuff that makes the NHL look really bad, then the NHL is going to just shut the whole thing down. So sure. there's a there's a line. You know, they have to have to face that line. I'm behind um, Kevin Hayes today, and I took a picture of his car. I just want to let you know that's what that he's is Kevin Hayes's car. Yeah, that's what he's spending the Flyers money on. No, it's not Kevin Hayes's car. <laughs> that could be. I don't know. <laughs> Well, it's not Ryan O'Reilly's car because it's not through the wall of a Tim Hortons. Ooh, oh, <laughs> that one will get edited out by the NHL. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, if we were on NHL Network, which which we're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, you already have the, you already have the, you've been fired text already, Mike. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm waiting for that at two oh one for Mac. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you have to be careful. I mean, I've. I've been in situations like I'm sure Anthony has too. Different, you know, and and Russ and Russ writing sportsology, where you have writers who are writing for you, you know, and you're in that spot where you have people working, and then they submit something to you that you know is going to really screw. It's going to mess people up, and they're going to be angry about it. And you have to you have to sit there and you have to look at it and you have to say, okay, that is something that you know is you first. The first thing has to be, of course, is everything completely accurate, right? If, if you know everything is accurate. And, and you're a reporter, you have to go with it. That's just what you have to do. And, and, the, and the, the organization has to know that, that, that that's what you're doing. But if you're going to go with something controversial, you know, we've, I remember one time five sourcing something that Travis Yost wrote while he was with Hockey Buzz, mm-hmm. going through five different people. And, um, and we ended up not putting it on there because it didn't, you know, and he might have been right. It, it was one of those, it was a really frustrating story because one of the stories that probably was right, but we couldn't get anybody to actually go on the record with it saying it was right. Yeah, so I've had in two, that situation, you can't do it. You just can't do it. The NHL has never tried to change anything I wrote, believe it or not, or have anybody has written on my site. But teams have reached out before. Yeah, no, the teams, teams will. They that's that's how the that's that's their protocol of how they'll do it. You know, I have had I've also had teams call me up, like especially in the early days of bloggers. You know, when I was one of the first bloggers, quote unquote, in there, and 
other bloggers were coming along that were being credentialed by teams kind of haphazardly in the beginning. Um, and someone wrote something on Jeff Carter and I had a team call me up about it and say, you know, this is out there. What are we going to do about it? And I'm like, well, you know, you credentialed the guy. And right. I mean, it's a, I, I, you know, there just, there was a kind of a, just a give and take of like, you know, and we were in a new world, you know, we were in a brave new world. I was like, you, if you have people that you don't, you know, know really well, you really should. So I, I was, I threw about, I threw a bunch of stuff at them at that time about, and at the NHL, I was brought into the NHL to actually work on a task force that was like to how to get credentials for bloggers. Um, you know, and it, it sort of fell apart, of course, because uh, remember the old blogger box. I think the Islanders were the first that was mine, right? And the blogger box is a great story because <laughs> we had BD Gallup at that time as a and um and and uh, somebody else too. Oh, shoot, I can't remember her name. It's terrible. Oh, uh, D. D. Carl. D. Carl. They were both credentialed by the Islanders, and they were in the press box. Yeah, the Islanders contacted me. They're like, "You've got two bloggers. We want to create a blogger box. Would you? Would Hockey Buzz like to sponsor it?" And I'm like. And of course, immediately went to my head is like, well, my bloggers are writers and they're in the press box. I don't want them in a blogger box where right. they're like a separate spot where they're just putting bloggers in that in, to, to kind of like discredit them and to kind of put them, give them because they said, yeah, the blogger box is going to have like a specific access to certain things and not other things and all this stuff and da da da. And we're going to have people submit things. I'm like, it's a cool idea, but I didn't want my professional writers in there with them. And I understood, you know, sure make something like that, create something that works for a while that you can, that you can give people small access to. And if someone proves to be kind of like worthwhile, give them access to the, that's fine. I think that's cool. But so I went, I spent a lot of money to sponsor that box and kind of set the rules on it. So it was like, you know, I said, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll sponsor this box for a year, but my bloggers, writers, <laughs> who I consider writers, they're considered bloggers are not going to be in there. Um, they're going to be in the press box where they are now. And that's the kind of stuff you have to fight with. I mean, that was the huge uh, thing. Well, I, I can tell you that I know of, in talking to a friend who is in a Canadian market, that a certain Canadian team does that. They have a, a certain area, a sequestered area for bloggers separate from the press box, and they're not they're, they're given limited access. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't even know if they can go into the locker room. And I don't think that that's wrong necessarily. I mean, I understand from what they need to write their article. That's the way I look at it. I think it depends on their experience. Like, I think that to me, you know, when I have writers that come to Hockey Buzz, I even though we have some cities that have always credentialed us and some that, you know, have never credentialed us, but some that have always credentialed us, I won't ask for that writers unless that writer's been credentialed someplace else. I won't ask for that writer's credential for a year. And I've told I tell writers that I'm like, I want you to prove to the team that you're legitimate for a year. Right. Right. That's fair. And then if you prove that you're legitimate for a year, I'll go to them. And then when I go to the team, they're like, yeah, we appreciate that. You know, even though we had somebody in that same press box for previous. We've all had that experience. I mean, I mean, I know for myself, certainly when I first started out, I mean, I, I was fortunate at the beginning because I started out in the AHL covering the Phantoms. Right. Uh, right after their first Calder Cup. And it took a while for me to, you know, it, it takes a while to build yeah. up, you know, not a poor per se, but that sort of, they Correct. know that you're not, you know, you're not you're not there to get the free meal and to watch the game for free. Or exactly. as stupid as like as for autographs or things like that. Like that's what they worry about. Right. Precisely. They, they worry about you know, you hear that kind of stuff, you know, like you're gonna dress yeah. properly. Like I always overdress yeah, you guys. All the time. You hear it. It's like, oh, you cover the team. Can you get can you get an autograph for oh, yeah, all the time? I know. Like, of course not, you know. Ask. It's the oh. funniest thing. Yeah, like you know, um, I've got a credential. If I, oh man, you, could you get me a credential? I'm like, no, I can't. Oh, it's not that. Really 
get that all the time. Believe me. You know, and it's, like, it's like it's a working – you are there in a working capacity. That's yeah, you're there in a working capacity. You've got to prove to the team that you're that it's, that it's a legitimate thing. You have, to, you, know, you have to prove to the team that you have readers, I think, to a degree. Although I think that that's changing. But back you know, back when, that was something that I put in there. You know, like have them prove that they have something that, that they just started this yesterday. But I said if someone's been going at it for a year, if you've been blogging for a year on a team, that's that to me shows that you're committed to it, that, you, that you're mm -hmm. serious about it. Because so many blogs die in a couple of months. Like so right. many people put up stuff like, you know, this, this Philadelphia Flyers slapshothockey.com or whatever will pop up, you know, yeah. and it's like, oh, this is the greatest new thing ever. And it'll die in a couple of months because it takes a lot of commitment to get through the summer months. It takes a lot of commitment to get through different situations. Oh, yeah. Um, and even just writing every day is a huge commitment. So, yeah, that's that's like that to me is 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 really a tricky is a tricky spot to be in. And, and teams, I don't I don't. Team the NHL at this point has left it up to teams completely. Like they have not gotten involved, as we well know, in teams deciding where the NHL credentials to NHL events totally differently. Right. So, you know, and that's always an interesting thing too, because NHL events, you know, like uh which include the outdoor games, uh, all the all games. all star games, Stanley Cup finals and conference finals are NHL events. And um, yeah, like when it comes to Philadelphia. You know, I, you know, I'm, I don't know where you were, Anthony, but I was I'm pretty sure you were with, with us. We were all thrown into the ugly press box in Philadelphia when the Stanley Cup finals came there against Chicago. Um, yeah, and well, yeah, Russ probably was at that. I was there. I was, yeah, you weren't there I, yet, right? I hadn't returned. I had that hiatus between 07 and Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I sat right near the you guys. Yes, yeah, right. So we were in the auxiliary press box, which, which is normal for, for, you know, they put their, they put, you know, the big, but it's nor it's it's kind of weird when you're in your own pre press box, right, like you're right. in a place where you go to every night, and now you're shoved into an auxiliary press box, so like MTV can have your seat or whatever, right. like something you never. The weather yeah. channel or the weather channel, and it that that's honestly is not is not exaggerations. Um, we've well, seen that outdoor game. They they all, they're only at the outdoor game. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, but, um, yeah, there's, so that's, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's, I know it's kind of inside baseball, but people don't realize there's a whole lot of stuff that goes along with this. And what really is comes back to what you were saying, Russ, is that teams do control the story, you know, and you can dig as deep as you can deep. And especially now that they cover themselves too, that's also changed the time I've been doing it to like the fact that, you know, the flyers.com exists in a big way. And, and people who were sitting in the press box yelling at me or, or hating me because I was a blogger and I worked on the internet now only work for the team's internets. And it's like, yeah, just think about thing that. Is it that you know, thing? Do you know how hard I have to work to get an exclusive quote when the flyers send out like, I don't know, four interns in the, yeah. in the, uh, in the opposing team's locker room after. A oh game? yeah. Yeah. No, it's in crazy. It's I have crazy. To work quickly to get that done. <laughs> yeah. I've seen it. I, I know it, it's, it's crazy. And because there are so many interns working for the flyers and, you know, there were writers who, were so pissed off when the team started covering themselves that have gone to work for the teams. Yeah, you like you know, get over that. you did get over it, and I always said you should get over it. But you know that it, journalism is a, is a tricky thing. You know, it's a, it's really we'll get we'll get started, but it's it, there's a whole lot of interesting aspects to it, and and sports especially. You know, and anything I guess, but sports have has its own things. I'm gonna try putting on a light. I don't know. Today the lighting's really bad here because we had All a right. bad storm. Sometimes the light helps, sometimes it doesn't. See, it's like. Hmm. All right, whatever. All right, here we go. Let's go. All right. Hello, our date is not our date. Okay. Hello, Hockey World. It is Tuesday. No. No, no it's not. Uh, Hello, Hockey World. 
It is Wednesday, August 14th, 2019. I'm future Pulitzer Prize winner Michael Agello. <laughs> I'm Anthony Mijoni from Sunrise Philly Magazine. <laughs> I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology, wearing my new jet hat for my new season. Loser. And I am Eklund, and you're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday. At this time, to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And I wanted to start today with a trade rumor because we haven't had many of them lately. We've been talking to RFAs, and RFAs are really, really not easy to keep exciting. Like, I'm doing something, doing a feature called the, your RFA Today update, and that is not easy. <laughs> so, um, but I'm, you know, I'm finding things every day, little things. There are like 12, 12 RFAs, so there is stuff out there. But um, this is a trade rumor, and it does actually link into an RFA to a degree. And that is Mike Hoffman. Um, Florida Panthers, Mike Hoffman, mm -hmm. is apparently on the block as Florida tries to clear space. And yesterday we talked, of course, about the fact that, that Jake Gardner has a team that's interested in him, but they need to clear space. So, of course, the logical line drawing here was, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Jake Gardner would make sense in Florida. That's a good fit for them. Yeah, um, just what Florida needs is another another defensively challenged defenseman. Yeah, I think Quenville would quash that. Yeah. I, you see, although although Jake Gardner is similar to what Brian Campbell was in Chicago. Yes, you see, like there's there's well, I it'll mean, be a new JG. It'll be J, it'll be Jason Garrison 2.0. Jake Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have, I can't wait to see Jake Gardner away from the mess that is Toronto. Okay, that's yeah, all. I, 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 I am not going to judge him until I see him I, play 35 games on another. I play for, for the sake of Leaf fans, I pray that Jake Gardner signs with an Atlantic Division team because then the Leafs can actually benefit from his defensive incompetence that they've been punished with the last seven years. Professionalism. Unlike, unlike, there you have it. Professionalism. Unlike my, I started <laughs> in Wisconsin. So he's not that bad. He's, I mean, he's bad. I mean, he's made huge mistakes at huge times. But let's like remember. Go ahead, Russ. Sorry. That's exaggerated about his game. But the one thing I'll say is in Florida, you're going to go with Matheson and Yandel and Gardner as three of your six. And Ekblad. I mean, Ekblad. Ekblad can play defense no matter what. Yeah. Yes, he can. So yeah, I, I worry got to bite back. Somebody's got to be willing to bite back on the play. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna Bob's gonna discover real quick. Oh yeah, it's, you know, he's not he's not in Lumbus anymore. And there are people that who groin, that groin will be tested pretty pretty often. Uh huh. Let's be real. About I mean, raise Bob. your groin if it's not pulled, as I like Hang to on. say. We, we got to be real about Bob too. Bob, when he's on a new team with new defensemen, he has trouble communicating with them because he's a little bit of a weird goalie. And it's been a while, Russ. Somebody has it been. I know, but is this not an antique? No, yeah, the, but there is a lot. There is something out there that you know people don't realize that Columbus, you know, they do play a very solid defensive system. They they play, they really do, and they, you know, even though they're losing the players, they're not really losing anything on defense. Assuming I would sign everybody back, you know, um, they actually might be picking up some on defense. So they they are. Yeah, Columbus plays a way that has enabled Bob to do Bob's thing, for sure. And Bob's thing is staying back in his net, moving quickly side to side, making great, making you know, really great reaction plays, not too dissimilar to like a Michael Neuwirth. Okay? No, but he doesn't like a lot of guys blocking shots in front of him. He doesn't like the certain ways that he wants to get the puck to the defenseman. Those things, when Bob is on a new team, become problematic sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And they, and I, know, I, I, I agree. And those things are definitely problematic. And Bob, you know, is going to have to adjust that this this is a i mean yeah if he doesn't like people blocking shots right you know 
and he's on a he was on a tour he was on a you know Tortorella team, remember? So no, like that's, right in front of him, I mean they they're gonna yeah. block shots, obviously. Yeah, I mean Tortorella makes everyone block 20 shots a game or whatever it is, you know, like the ridiculousness. But now he's gonna be on a, a very Florida's gonna be a fun team to watch. I, I have a feeling they're gonna be more offensive than people expect. Um, I think some of their young players are coming into their own as far as scoring goes, and you're gonna really see. I mean, people Huberdeau's season last year is so friggin' underrated. Um what Barkov, he did last year. Barkov is Barkov. He's just yeah, yeah, no, he's 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 phenomenal. He's a superstar. I, I I think Florida's markedly improved, not only the the addition of Bobrovsky, but bringing in Connolly, bringing in Achari. I mean, their, their forwards are a little deeper. I think you know, a guy like Owen Tippett could make the team if they do trade Hoffman. That might be an indication they think Tippett will step in a, in a top nine role on the wing. So I, I think there's and and I you never know what the what the uh, effect of a Stanley Cup winning head coach like Quenville is going to have on a team. I'm assuming it's going to be very positive because I, I'm, I'm not as hard on on Bugner as other people are, but I, I think that there was something missing and you know the experience that Quenville has in getting the best out of his players. Um, but you also have to remember Quenville and his reputation. There are players that you think are good fits. And there have been players that he has br- that were brought in and provided to him by Stan Bowman that he never gave a fair chance and just didn't like. And you could have some guys like that on this team where you think that Huberto or you think that somebody like Trocheck is going to be great and effective. And if Quenville doesn't like the way that they play, then he's not going to give them the type of ice time. Now, I'm not saying those guys specifically. I'm just using them as an example. Uh, but, guy that that just re-signed with Nashville, but if he was still with Florida, like Rocco Gormaldi would be the kind of guy that would drive Quenville crazy. Right. But also remember that Quenville had, you know, um, Duncan Keith, and he had Brian Campbell, like you said, and he has players. He's been he's been very good at hiding defensemen. Sure. Um, that make mistakes, and he also does realize the quarterbacking aspect of defensemen. Of that, you know, like if you've got these, like if you've got these wingers flying around out there, you know, you've got to find a way to get them the puck quickly, and you need that quarterback to get get the puck to the receivers essentially. And what that's that's what Gardner does well, probably better than maybe. I mean, Yano does it well too, but I, I like where their defense is going, and you can see how potent of an offensive team they can be when you look at their defense. Honestly, yeah. But the, the one thing I'm skeptical about regarding this is and, and it makes sense if they're trading Hoffman Hoffman's making 5.1 million uh, a little closer to 5.2 and if they're clearing that salary out then they might be clearing it out for another to add some place add somebody in a different area of the team or even add a younger player who's cheaper but the thing is is that look at them right now Ekblad seven and a half million long term Yandel 6.3 long term they just signed Anton Strawman to a three-year deal, five and a half million, yeah. and and Matheson is making almost five, and Pizik is uh, is at making two point seven. That's, yeah, that's a lot. lot of, you're right. That is a lot of money. A lot of money. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of money, and a lot of money being spent for the next four years. You know, like really. I mean, it's just like right. essentially their top defense. Ekblad signed till 2024, 25. Matheson right. signed till 25, 26. Yeah, that's great. Eight-year deal. Yeah. I don't even want to think about that. Like, you know, my daughter's going to be in graduate school at that point. That freaks me out. Um, yeah. Will we be alive? Everything about that. Will I be alive when this contract ends? I never think about that. That's how old I'm feeling like I'm getting now. Anyway. Um, I'm old and I don't think about that. Come on. Yeah, I know we're not that old. But, you know, still, you have to worry about it. Um, 
That's why I want to keep the contracts shorter in the NHL because the second good back like 15 year contracts. Were <laughs> because you can outlive them. Yeah. Cause I don't want to outlive a contract. I don't want, I, don't, I want to make sure. I mean, I want to make sure that I can see the end. Cause I want to, I want to know when this guy's a UFA again, like Panarin, I want to be able to cover him when he's a UFA again. I want to outlive Bobby Bonilla's contract, Ross. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, that is a lot of money. That is a lot of money to put on defense, but they're not the only team. Okay. They're not the only team interested, but let's talk to Hoffman for a second because Hoffman could be moved regardless of whether or not they are getting, um, Gardner, I've been told Hoffman and, and two teams talking to talking about Hoffman, who has, like you say, is $5 million contract, five and a half million dollar contract somewhere in there one more year. So he's a UFA. So they may know something because they may have gone to Hoffman, you know, they already at the point where they can, so they may have gone to Hoffman in July or August and said, Hey, you know, what's it going to take to resign you? And Hoffman might've said, it's going to take, you know, this much. And they might be like, million, yeah, forget so. about it. Right. So Hoffman, um, the two teams I've heard are Edmonton, which you know, the Edmonton doesn't have a lot of money either, but I've heard that they really do, you know, that Holland does like Hoffman. I like Hoffman a lot too, actually. I, I you oh, know. Wow. The guy gets 30, 35 goals, 65, and, 70 And goals. he does it. He, he's just solid. You know, he's just yeah. like a solid type of like, you know, TJ Oshie-ish type player to me. Like that's, and, you know, and I, and the Flyers are another team, which I had to bring. That's why I had to bring it up now. So Edmonton and the Flyers. And I was, you know, a little bit surprised when I heard the Flyers name mentioned because obviously they're in the middle of still trying to sign guys and, you know, they still have to make these deals. But um, if someone in Philly likes Mike Hoffman, you know, I mean, it could be Vino saying, listen, like Mike Hoffman, he's, he's, he's a kind of, and he is, he, he fits with anybody. He's a good player, but you know, what are your thoughts? Anthony? How would he fit into Philly? They'd be determining how exactly they're going to slot things. Philadelphia's main roster spot that they're looking at right now would appear to be third line right wing. That's the one spot that's open. It's the one spot that everybody's indicated that, at least so far, that the Flyers would be comfortable having one of their young players challenging for that for, for that third line role, probably alongside um, Nolan Patrick and either one of Oscar Lindblom or um, or James Van Riemsdyk, depending on the the circumstance and situation. It's just at the moment, I, I just have, I, in terms of putting Hoffman in, would he be a natural fit, say, on the right side of Sean Couturier and um, and Claude Giroux? Yeah, it would be a lot of offensive yeah. capability there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, the salary match has to has to be correct at the moment. What is Hoffman's current contract hit? It's five and a half. So it's like five point one eight seven for five point one eight. Again, you're still trying to figure out Provorov. You're still trying to figure out Konechny in that mix there, and you're getting perilously close. You're getting perilously close to the cap, or probably over it in that circumstance. You're going to have to, yeah, you know, make a salary. You're going to have to make a salary for salary move there. And yeah, you got to move somebody to get him. You know, you're going to have to make a trade to get them. And Florida's going to look at it and say, "Hey, we need we need a park that's going to be coming back that's going to be useful to us, probably on defense. That's probably where a lot of this is coming from. Where everybody looks and says, hey, Philly's got eight defense, you know, seven current with Provorov in, you know, in the offing as number eight. Well, yeah. Florida won't want to Philadelphia's defenseman in this circumstance. That's the other area where if they are looking, let's say, if they could figure out Provorov's contract." Could you look at a Shane Goss to spare potentially going? Because then salary wise, things match up a little bit better there. And he's a Florida. Well, he go, he go, he would, he would probably very much welcome going to the Florida Panthers. Right. He's, you know, his team he grew up with as a kid. Right. That would seem to be probably the most likely route if that's the yeah. way. If that's the way Philadelphia wants to go. Yeah, Gossespierre's name is of course going to fly up into this thing. I'll tell you what I think's going on. What I think's going on is the Flyers want to be appear to be interested in a player 
the same kind of player who plays the same position as Travis Konecki, who hasn't signed his contract. Yeah. By pressure, because yeah. if you that's think a great play. If, if Hoffman's making five one and Konecki gets four two five, you know, at some point, if the Flyers get annoyed, pivoting to Hoffman is not a downgrade at all. No. Right, and when I when I whenever I yeah yeah I'm sorry whenever I get a rumor I think along those lines very as you know Russ like it's like my immediate thing is okay the person who's telling me this what is their motivation to tell me right. this like right. so and I thought about that connecting immediately like I'm like huh you know like um and if this was coming from a Philly source I probably wouldn't even write it because of that like I would be yeah. like okay that sounds too much like but this is not coming from a Philly source so for what it's worth no but I, it's still a backup plan of the team like it could be that could be a backup plan exactly Walker has to have a backup plan if he doesn't have connecting and pro to start the season whatever he did in the off season isn't going to be enough to make this team look better on opening night and that's what's important right now to the Flyers and to their GM so Hoffman is probably their plan B because they're not going to wait forever for Travis Konecki. They're just not. Well, I, I think the motivation from Edmonton is pr is pretty clear because if you look right now, I mean, obviously, you know, either it's either McDavid and Dreisaitl one two at center, or or McDavid and Nugent Hopkins, and they move one of either Nugent Hopkins or Dreisaitl to the wing to play him in the top six. After that, their number one winger is Alex Chason. Or, or James Neal. I mean, their wings are pathetic. And if they don't promote Kaylor Yamamoto, which they might they might not, depending on whether he's ready or not, their wings neutralize the, the greatness that they have up the middle. That's why that team is so bad right now. And, you know, but the thing is, Hoffman's not a long, not, A, he's not a long-term solution because he's got a, only one year left in the contract. And Florida's not giving him away. They're going to expect something. No, return. And, and I don't know what, like, unless, unless you're talking a pool Yarvi or unless you're talking, which, which might make a little bit of sense for us because Barkov is there, you know, you get some fins there. Maybe, maybe that would be a good jump start for him. And, 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 uh, uh, you know, and you have a guy under control for three or four years as opposed to something. Oh, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, other than that, I don't know what Edmonton would give for Hoffman. I think just to jump in with this from Philadelphia's perspective, again, with yeah. Hoffman having an expired contract, that's that will be an interesting scenario for Philadelphia as they continue to try to, if they're looking for long-term space yep. and giving Hoffman, uh, giving Hoffman a try to see how he would fit in um, – first, second, or third line right wing, depending on where it would go. Plus, you know, you're clearing out an additional 4-2-5. You're, you're clearing out the 4-2-5 from, from, uh, from, from Shane. And this case would probably be – to me, it would have to be Shane Goss's pair because he's the one yeah. who right now appears to be on the outside looking in in terms of top four minutes. And in Florida, he would certainly be getting that. So in that scenario, that's where I would think – Philadelphia would probably go. If yeah, players really going to trade Gostafir before they have Provorov locked up, yeah, no, that's the thing. I think they have to know they've got Provorov under. I think they have to be getting closer with Provorov before they would make that move. That's the reason why they're holding eight defensemen right now, right? In preparation for the season, and they're going to have a relatively cost-controlled option here with one of those young players playing on the in, in a third line role. I think they would be holding eight defensemen well into September. That's the problem. Might, again, depending on how long this contract negotiation goes, and we, it's been protracted enough to begin with. To to go along those lines, because Russ found uh, out before the, before the show, or I, I found out on 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 Reddit as well, uh, that uh, the Bruins signed Alex Petrovic 
to a PTO. Mm-hmm. And they have Brandon Carlo and they have McAvoy who are still unsigned. You're, I think you're going to see some of these teams out there making sure that they have at least somebody with NHL experience backing them up in case these players decide to hold out longer. And yeah. I think this is a safety, a safety net that the, you know that the Bruins don't want to have to rely on you know Stephen Camper and Connor Clifton at the beginning of the season, even though they relied on them at points during the playoffs. That's a little different. You're talking about a guy who's a top pairing guy in McAvoy and a second pairing guy in Carlo. And if they play hardball and the Bruins can't get them under contract through the through the preseason and into the regular season then adding in a veteran guy like Petrovic and signing him to a one-year deal is 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 a, st- a bit of a stopgap but it, it's better than better than the than the uh, the uh, the other other side of that equation I do want to add one other thing too so on the on the flyers and knowing having covered Elaine Vigneault a lot he doesn't care about players who aren't there he is one of those classic coaches like Tortorella like hey Whoever's there, that's who I'm playing. That's who I'm utilizing. There's Elaine Vigneault is not going to talk about players that haven't signed, like Konechny and Provorov. He is just going to move on. Like, that's what he's going to do as a new coach, he's not going to be like, yeah, we're saving a spot for him, so we're doing this temporarily. He can't do that. This is his first year with the team. That's what also further complicates this for a team like Philly. Do you think Torts is going to care that Zach Wierenski isn't in camp after he's lost Panarin and Dezingle and Duchesne? He He will, but he won't like he does. No. Yeah, there's no question. No, he's going to care. Absolutely. But he won't talk about it. Like he won't. No, he won't talk about it. But he and I I know I think that you know. I think I think it was going to be a really interesting year for him in general. You know, Tortorella. That's like another story altogether. But he's going to have to show something this year i mean obviously last year winning that one playoff round gets you something but the pressure is on you know the pressure's on on kukulain you know everybody on him when they have no players like they're very down like they have to have a lot go right with their younger players for this season to do something well let me say it like this it's i I agree with you what you're saying right so there's the pressure's not on him so to speak like a normal pressure but when the pressure is on (laughs) tortorella because there's not players there tortorella tends to go a little bit wackier and if that pressure continues to mount because there's not players there and he's not getting what he wants and they're not making the right trades, he can go off the rails. And that's, that's what well, we've seen. I mean, as long as Jonas Corposalo is not John Graham too, I think he's okay. If he, if it becomes a situation like it did with John Graham and not knowing who he's going to put in net, then it would be bad, but he hasn't had that in a long time. Like that hasn't cropped up in a very long time. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's true. That's true. I, I want to see, I want to see how he deals with, you know, because there's a passive aggressive and then there's just a flat out aggressive element to, to him. <laughs> you, have, you have both. There's both. <laughs> I mean, but the passive aggressive one, I don't think he has reported on as much and the players feel that more than, I mean, the aggressive thing you'll see in the press conferences, the passive aggressive stuff players will talk to you about, like they will say, you know, off the record, they'll be like, yeah, you know, he's a little bit, and he does a lot of stuff. And, and that frustration tends to build from, not having the horses to do what he wants to do. I think what's what's going to happen with Tortorella and Columbus is this plays into you have to play it my way because we don't have enough here to to get through the system off season offensively. So you're going to have to play this my way, and I think they're going to have to play it really close to the vest this year. And and that is more hockey. So yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple little things. Something just came in, so sorry I was out there for a second. I was texting back and forth with somebody. Um, I wrote today about Patrick Line 
being a you know that that Montreal was still talking to them that that hasn't gone away, um, but that other teams are also talking to Winnipeg about Line A, and yet I hadn't been able to find any particular team. Like I was just told teams, and and two or three people said, yeah, they're talking to other teams. No one would give me anything as to who they were talking to exactly until now. So um, a good friend of ours actually, um, they're familiar with the situation tells me that the Islanders are one of those teams talking treat for Patrick lining. Um, and that they are in they're in, they feel pretty good. I mean, we know the Islanders have been digging around about offer sheets, right. Um, with a different, with different team, different players. And we know that they're looking at, and obviously they had, a, they had, you know, a bunch of money there. They were ready to spend on Panarin that they didn't spend um, that, that they didn't. And Andrews lead money apparently was figured out before the whole thing. So mm-hmm. this money is more. So, so the Islanders, um, you know, what would be involved in that trade, you know, and Letty, I think would have to be a part of that. That's what my source said too. Letty would be a part oh, of that. Sure. I think Letty would definitely be a part of it. Uh, it would probably- I, no, honestly, honestly, I think it would have to be somebody younger. I think it would have to be somebody. Yeah. I think both though. I think because well, the Jets Thompson for anybody like Lou loves them. They're not giving them up even for a line A. So, yeah, but the Jets want to win now too. The Jets are very much feel like their window right. is open. I think so. I think Letty does make sense because then they could move Dobson in right away, even if he's not a hundred percent ready as a pro. You know, they did would be they're going Pulak there possibly because they may look at Winnipeg may look at him and say they have wise cost control all that good stuff. I don't think they would go Pulak Anthony only because he's too much like Bufflin, where at least Letty's still a really good skater and different. Well, those two guys. Well, the thing is, is that Pulak is arbitration eligible after this year. He's making two million bucks. He put up good numbers last year, and you're basically putting yourself in another situation like Truba, right. where the guy's um, the amount of his contract is going to skyrocket. You have no guarantees that he's going to want to lock himself up long term to Winnipeg. So that's why I would say, I mean, Letty's under contract for two more years at five and a half million. And if you go for if, if if they insist on a guy like Dobson, he's on ELC for three years. So that's I mean that's going to be a factor for Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah, I'll give that would be a scenario of like maybe Brock Nelson, Letty, and a high-ranking prospect that Lou's willing to give up. And I don't even think he would give up Wallstrom, but I think – Lavillier? No, I don't think he'd give up anybody else off the roster. I think it would have to be somebody. I was going to say, Bavillier would that would be a big chunk. I don't think Winnipeg could do that deal because you're talking about eleven and a half million dollars in salary there. Well, I mean, it's almost what Line will make, though. It's they have a lot of money under the cap. I like, could eat some of that money. Remember, they've got close to. Eighteen million dollars, right? Yeah, I think they can do that, Mike. And and so I think now again, and I, you know, the other prospect would be interesting because I don't think they would give him Wallstrom at that point because they would already be giving him two roster players. But you know, somebody just under that. I think. What about like uh, Mark Peterson in our in our chat room brings up brings up Bellows and Hosang? You know, I thought. I mean, those are two. They would definitely do. I don't think Winnipeg would want them. Bellows is possible. Yeah. Bellas has seemed to have fallen out of favor lately, right? Like he is. No, I think. No, no, I think. The buzz isn't as hot as it used to be on Bellows, but I'm not going to say that it's fallen. He just he didn't have a good year in the American Hockey League, right? right? I think this was a this is his it was his year of adapting to 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 the school, and I wouldn't say that they've cooled on him. I would say this year, if if the pattern remains. Right. Then you might hear. Then you might hear more of that. Yeah, he had to work on his skating, and I think Bellows will be fine. But I think that is the kind of player Winnipeg would look for. I do. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, that's interesting. I mean, I've, you know, Hosang's name comes up too. And I was, I was following a rumor earlier this morning that Montreal had interest in Hosang, which just made tons of sense to me. Like, I just Montreal like, makes more sense. doesn't it? Like Hosang and Montreal, that doesn't that just seem like a perfect fit in some ways. Well, yeah, just like just like Mike Ribeiro in Montreal was a, made made a lot of sense too. No, just, no, there's there's something about like the Canadians and the way they play and the way their fan bases and everything that they would love Hosang there. They yeah. they would like they would adore him. Yeah, they like those undisciplined. Uh, no, never mind. No, but but, but here's what the thing is, though, Mike. Canadian fans will always welcome you, even if you're a little arrogant. If you could back it up with your play, if you've got skill and like and like flashy skill. <laughs> Yeah, they don't care about the rest. <laughs> then you're a Canadian, like get, right. like I mean, and the best, the best, obviously, the best example ever is you know, Alexei Kovalev. Is Alexei Kovalev, who was, uh, as as you know, as skilled as could possibly be, but all over the map, and in Montreal was good, but they wanted him so badly to stay there. We, you know, remember the parade they held to try to get him back. And it's just like that they love their skilled players, which is. He also you know, mentioned the locker room where Hosang's not quite where. Kovalev was like a really good teaching kind of yeah, guy. Yeah, I mean, as he got older, yeah, he definitely yeah. grew into that for sure. Yeah. Um, another rumor, too, um, another possible destination for Gardner um, is the New Jersey Devils. And I, the source I've been talking to for a little bit about this, who's been very good, um, one of these, when I rarely you find these sources that are, you know, you're not sure about them. And I get a lot of emails, tons of tons of emails, as you can imagine. So, And, and people wanting me to say, oh, I saw this, 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 and I don't report... I always say, like, if you did something, if you get like one or two things right before anybody else, then I'll start to like take you seriously. And and, and not all of those emails are complaints about me. <laughs> That's fine. That that folder is not touched very often. Um, but but I but this person, this particular person, was dead on about the PK Subban, and I missed it. And I was one of the funny things, PK Subban in New Jersey, and I was like, okay, that's and I'm. Just it was a pretty surprising thing. Like honestly, this person was dead on about PK Saban, about every aspect of it, about twelve hours before it happened. But I was, but I'd never heard, I'd never really heard of him before. So I'm like, I can't just throw, you know, whatever. I, I have to know somebody, meet somebody, or like they have to prove it to me. And this guy is now proving it to me in in Saban. And then he was dead on on Gusev, which again I didn't go with, um, because again I was like, oh maybe he just got lucky. But then now, <laughs> same source, okay. Telling me that they're in on Gardner, which would, and I wrote that they're in on Gardner, but it got a little bit further into how they would do it, which is um, that, you know, that they would, that they would like to move Sammy Vatten in to make it work. Right. Which, uh -huh. which, which might make sense because Vatten mm -hmm. sees the price of all the defensemen that are going free agent. He's in his mid 20s. And if he wants, say, seven million a year, they right. may think he's worth that, and they can maybe get Gardner because Gardner's hanging out there in the middle of August, still unsigned. If they can get him on a an amount that they think is reasonable for a two or three year deal, then yeah, they could keep Vatnin until the trade deadline, then rent him and probably get a good return for him and improve their chances of being competitive in, in the uh, in the Metro. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, they're way they're way under the cap right now, so they don't need to wait to trade Vatnin. Well, no, the issue, no, the issue is, is this guy goes on to say, you know, that um, that he says that Ray Ray Ray's comfortable doing this. Ring Ray Shiro um, feels confident in being able to lock up Hall long term as well as paying Nico, you know, and obviously, um, you know, yeah, right. He's comfortable, but but, but you got you, they they do have a lot of money coming up. Like they need to keep space. They they can't. And they they can go short term, maybe very. They could go short term without affecting things. But if they if Gardner wants like say more than three years, they are in. They they can't do that. 
So they have they have to be able to unless they can move like that and make something happen. Well, because they know in three years they're going to have to pay Jack Hughes. Exactly. You know. Um. So that's that's the big question right there. So, um. And uh. Yeah. I've and, also, don't, and, don't, and don't think don't think that the PK Subban trade they didn't factor in the Jack Hughes element as well because PK Subban's deal, which is nine million bucks, and they take on they took on the full nine million. That's over within three years, which means. They, you know, if, if Hughes is a star, which a lot of people think he will be, yeah. they're going to need to carve out at least eight or nine million a year, or maybe potentially more if he's a superstar, to to pay him on a long term deal. I don't think yeah. they can spend the money on Gardner right now. I don't. I think I think they've made enough moves where it's already going to be look. They're better than they were last year. Like no matter what, say what you want about the Devils, they will improve. But it's a lot of different new moving parts, young players, different players. How much are you going to really put on John Hines's plate? I think they're going to look at that too. Uh, it's You know, the thing is, Zach, it's getting to the point. I mean, we're at August 14th right now. We're about a month away from the beginning of training camp. It's getting to the point now with a guy like Gardner, who everybody thought was going to be signed by now, that he and his representatives are going to have to be open to a one-year deal. Because Unless, uh, and I agree with you. There's two scenarios we've seen with this, and it's like um, I forget the defenseman that used to reuse. Cody, Cody Franzen was. Thank the you. Guy. Cody Franzen was the perfect. There's two. There's two things that could be happening here. One, Gardner knows he has a deal in place, but like a team has to do things first, right. which is why he's sitting back and not doing anything. That feels likely to me. Um, the other is that he, they just have overplayed their hand, but I, I don't think that that's the case. I think I, it feels more likely that at least in their head, they have a pretty confident feeling that somebody's going to sign them for a deal that they like, but they're giving that team a chance to work it out. That that's what it feels like okay. is happening more than anything else. Because I don't feel, I don't feel like they've overplayed their hand because if they overplayed their hand, they would go back to Toronto probably. And Toronto would have done something with them. Well, I mean, because Toronto's up against the wall, I think that that uh, you know they would have to trade Cody CC if they wanted to if they wanted to bring Gardner in. I don't think they're going to yeah. do that. So there's really no space yeah. for them to do that. I still think the Leafs are going to go out and probably add and maybe bring in a guy on a PTO like a Girardi or a Fanuf or a Ben yeah. Lovejoy, one of these guys out there, um, because none of them have been signed and they may be desperate enough to take a PTO. Ben Lovejoy on that team that'd be interesting. Um, now, right. someone, I got one thing I haven't talked about before we get to some questions here. Oh, okay. Um, I'm sorry. We, <laughs> that, was a, that was a sneak. That was a sneak. Um, and it was brought up in the chat room. And I, I'm, and Russ, I know you probably know about this more. The Rangers season ticket thing that's going on, which I thought was interesting. And I know this happens with some teams, but just want everybody's opinion on it. The Rangers are, are charging more for certain games than others. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, they're doing that. Terrible pricing. They're doing other, Right. Other teams have done this as well. Yeah. Um, Maybe we should, maybe we should leave this for another day as a topic because it's an interesting topic. But I I do want to touch base on it. You know, maybe we touch base on it tomorrow or something. But I, I really I think it is a fascinating concept to debate. Um, well, I don't necessarily think they're wrong, but I I think we should get to it. I think we can talk about that going forward. I probably could do a whole show on it. But let, yeah. I'll just say this: it's not just hockey anymore. Oh, I know the Toronto Blue Jays are doing it for baseball. They charged uh, over like $60, $65 for bleacher seats for the Yankees game. And for the games against Texas this week, I think they're about half the price. So it's, it's, it's bled into other sports, but I, I, I you know, we definitely would talk yeah, about the it. Have done it for years too. We'll talk about it more, but I think it is an interesting one. Um, all right. So let's take some questions now from the chat room, by the way, if you want to, the chat room is found on YouTube. Um, 
and you can find it right there. It was a joy. We always have a lot of people in there. It's fun. Okay. Um, I'll just pop this one from Esmir up here. Do you think that the Islanders, Sebastian Ajo, that's the defenseman, could be involved in a possible trade for Line A? That's the alternate universe, Sebastian Ajo? That yeah, Russ, the thing is, I mean, he's a decent prospect, but he's not a guy who I think is considered like a future top four. He's a, you know, maybe a bottom pairing guy at best. Yeah, he's a five. I, I think he could start on the Islanders this year. I think there's a good chance of that. He had about 40-something points in Bridgeport this year. He does bring a lot of offense, but I do think they would be looking more for Letty than him. Yeah. yeah. Um, Terry, GG, and G asking Marner two-year deal, which was talking about right. in his blogs. What is the the AAV, over seven or under seven each year? It's over seven. Over seven. It's not, not much, year. though. But but I'll tell, I'll tell you right now, if, I again, I would be shocked if it's – now, Anthony, you've said this before with, with, with a, a two-year deal, you're running into, you know, the, uh, with, with the potential of a lockout, it being a one-year deal, if there's a lockout the following year, right. I, I, that's why I think it, at minimum, it'll be a three-year deal. I can't right. see them going two. Yeah. Anthony's got to sit up taller when we do the questions. I've noticed that. Like, you know. Hello there, black bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I, oh. <laughs> gotta be sorry. Soon. Uh, anything else there? Yet? Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Johnny Red, who do you, who do you guys think the Rangers will trade this year with six million dollars going back on the cap next season? I'm not sure what he means about six million going. Well, they're going to have dead cap space next year. Oh, yes. I think I, I honestly think that Kreider is a is a possibility. Um, well, I mean, I, if Kreider plays out this year with the Rangers and they trade him at the deadline, then it's Kreider. Uh, yeah. Would they trade Mark Stahl? Could they find someone to trade him if they trade him with a good prospect? Maybe. So then that would clear out the money. I think those are the two likely candidates right now, right off the bat. I think I would try to get Mark. If I was Minnesota, I would try to get Mark Stahl out there. Yeah. Um, I, I would. I would try to put them together. I would try to get him with, you know, with Eric. I, would, I think it would be good to see that situation. He had a good year last year. He had a bounce back year. I yeah. think the tough thing for Mark Stahl is when you have that eye injury like he had, he was never going to be the same Mark Stahl again, but he's still a really good defenseman. He's played a lot of games for the Rangers. So I think at some point they're going to move on from him. Yeah, he is. I agree with that. Okay. Funky Cold Zadina says, Russ, you're a prospect guy. Where do you That's see true. Michael Rasmussen's game for this season? This is a tough one because I've heard through the grapevine, Steve Eiserman doesn't love him. And I think Rasmussen has to really prove himself. He's got great hands. If you put him on the power play, he will score some points. He should be able to get 20 goals. But if they don't like what they see out of him in preseason and they give him a reduced role, you know, you might be looking at 14 goals. Okay. Um, goalie FP, which is uh, Frank and, you know, our yeah. front buddy. Oh, wait, now that's the wrong one. Of course, the chat moves. So sometimes I, I want to say this since you put it up. Anytime Thomas says it's a minor trade, it's really minor. When he says it's a major trade, it's a minor trade. It's the wings and the flyers. I'm waiting on it. My, wait, wait, you know, it's, it, they've got drumroll here. At, uh, Thomas is put in the chat room. Um, Will Mark Stahl and someone else? Reserve? I want to throw this out about Zucker. Now that now that Fenton is gone, Zucker is going nowhere. Yeah. I was told that the, all the Zucker stuff had to do with Fenton, and that they that that was one of the actual issues that Craig Leopold had. Yeah. He doesn't want Zucker going anywhere. I mean, Zucker, I mean, Zucker's a 30 goal scorer. You don't trade those guys away. And, you know, supposedly, 
I mean, there was a lot of talk about them making a trade with Calgary for Zucker at the deadline. The guy who was coming back was, I think, it was Michael Furleek. I mean, that that's not a that's not a good deal if they were. Trying to no. say, you know, here's the oh, here's the trade. So right. Russ will be interested in. The Tampa Bay Lightning have acquired a 2020 fourth round pick from the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for Adam Ernie. Oh wow! Oh uh, man, has, has brought in Adam Ernie back. You know, one of his one of his original. There, there's how smart Eiserman is. That's Adam, Adam Ernie will be a top nine forward on the Red Wings. Mm-hmm. He will. Be. I, I, I completely agree with that. He he could score twenty goals for them. He's got sandpaper in his game. Like this is a really smart pickup for them. We were in the press box. I know why you're saying this, Anthony, because I was in the press box when when Ernie was moved out of the yeah. Flyers situation, and man, Russ was not happy. Russ was like, "What a stupid!" And I'm not not happy, but just was was vehement about the fact that the Flyers letting Ernie go was a bad thing. No, oh, they never had Ernie, but they may have been on a discussion. But didn't they have? Wait, wait, who am I thinking of? No, what am I thinking? I'm sorry. I know we talked about this. Sometime. No, maybe there was trade talks about him because Ernie's never gotten. Oh you know, yeah, I think the Flyers were also in on him. That's what it was, and you were like thinking. But, okay. but, here, but here, 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 here is the issue with Tampa Bay. I'll just read them off. Now, Nolan Foot was a first round pick this year, so it's going to take him a few years. Alexander Volkov, Taylor Radish, Boris Kachuk, Mitchell Stevens. They are loaded with forwards. Yeah. They're loaded with forwards. Probably. I want to say something about Nolan Foot too because. During pre-draft, he gave me the exclusive, and I brought it up on this show and told other outlets that that he played with a um, with a broken bone in his hand for most of that season, and he still scored like thirty-seven goals. He healed over the summer. We got to see him in the World Junior Summer Showcase, and you could see uh, an appreciable difference in what he's able to do with his shot now. So I think we're going to see a big year out of him. And the other factor with Ernie is he was still a restricted free agent, which is a big factor because you know the Braden Point stuff is the the two guys they haven't signed yet are Braden, where Braden Point and Ernie, so they have to. I would I would be I would be shocked if if Detroit doesn't have Ernie signed within like two or three days. Okay, but let's yeah. let's talk about for two seconds. Is Julian Breezebaugh doing a good job? I don't know. That is a really good question because we it's it's hard to judge. So far, um, I mean, I think getting Vasilevsky signed was was really huge. Feather in his cap, I'll give you that. That was not easy, and that couldn't have been easy. You could could say this. Uh, The fact that it was understandable that he didn't make a move at the deadline last year because they were such a a great team and playing so well that why why mess with success? The The deals that he's made so far, you know, he trades JT Miller for to open up cap space for point. He he dumps the uh, the the contract of Ryan Callahan on Ottawa and takes takes back Mike Condon, so he opens up more cap space. Other than you know, other than that, I mean, he really hasn't done much. No, and that's that's my basic point. He brings in Shattenkirk and he gets Shattenkirk at a bargain. But why would you do much? I mean, you had one of the best teams in the right. in, the NH- in NHL history in the regular season. That's why. Yeah. You don't yeah, but still, I mean, I you know, I you gotta go. If if your team is that dominant in the regular season, you're not doing much. That's uh, like you still should do something because something was wrong. That's the point. And if you didn't change the coach, you do have to change something. That's my belief. Well, and and they and they yeah. did. They they. I mean, they're on defense. You know, Strawman's gone. They're not bringing back Girardi. They re-signed Colburn for a lot less, and they brought in Shattenkirk. So they did change something. They did change something, but. I think they probably needed to do a little more. I think Breezewa in the last two years 
hasn't done much. I don't think Eiserman left him a lot to do with, but I don't think he's being very creative. That's my point. Right. And well, it's only been really, it's only been since May, right? I mean, like the, I don't know. last September, last September. Wait, didn't Eiserman announce? Yeah. Oh, right, right. As a GM, sorry. I'm right. thinking when I was, when Eiserman took the when job. When he joined right. Detroit, right. Yeah. Right. No, that was in May. Oh, I think. Uh, one more question, and we'll end it. Uh, Asmir asks, what do you think of the Devils prospect Michael McLeod? Is his window already closed in New Jersey? Well, Michael McLeod's interesting because he's big, he's fast, he has a great shot, his hockey sense isn't great, and his decision-making isn't great. Okay. And that's what holds him back. He's one of the fastest guys when he is on the ice and getting it. If you like zone entries, he is great on zone entries. Then all of a sudden – he still doesn't know exactly what to do with the puck. And, and that is the problem. It's plaguing him. I think I want to say he only had seven goals last year or something. Six. Uh, 33 points in 55 games with Binghamton. Crazy low for a guy with the amount of talent that he has. Yeah. But again, in this league, you have to be a quick decision maker. And unfortunately, if you're not, it's going to show. And I think it's starting to show on him. Yeah. And he only had three assists in 21 games with the Devils. So he was given a long look. And it, I mean, he's going to have to come to camp with, uh, you know, having improved something, maybe strength, maybe, you know, his ability to go to the front of the net to make a difference. Because there's, a, I mean, there is talent up front with the Devils. And he could get, he could get left behind. I'll give you an example of a guy who didn't make my top 15 list, but has probably leapfrogged. Um, McLeod and John Hines's eyes, and that may be Nathan Bastion. Yeah. He is a one-dimensional guy. Like if you put in Nathan Bastion for the whole season for the Devils, you might get twelve goals. Right. Now, yeah. a little bit sandpaperish, but he still needs to probably be a little meaner. Doesn't skate great. Right. So I don't know how many minutes you want to give him to score twelve goals, right? But he'll score more goals right now than Michael McLeod will, and that's scary. But talent. He, he, might, he might be a better fit on the fourth line than McLeod is. And the funny thing is they were line mates in Mississauga. So oh, wow. like you're putting them side by side. It's like, it's surprising because McLeod has more talent, but maybe oh, wow. Bastion has more work ethic. Right. McLeod fixes this. He could still have an impact. There you go. Um, I like the fact I'm going to just throw a little like, thing out there that Eisman, um, that we have that Terry GG and G says Tampa already has big bird and Oscar in the minors. Then Ernie was easy to move. I agree. It's definitely true. As a Muppet, Muppet fan of myself, I like any Muppet reference that can get thrown out there. Sorry. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't all right. move Ernie, but that's me. <laughs> no, he's, he's a really good. He's a. Um, Did have Adam Burton, Adam Ernie. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. Ernie God. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, I think it's all the time every day. Thank you, Anthony, as always, for jumping on board. Someday, maybe I'll do your show. Um, Coming up. You got to negotiate. You got to negotiate with my, you know, my people. Yes, I'll get get your people in touch with my people. We'll do the lunch thing. We'll have a lunch. We'll have a lunch. We'll talk about it. The three people here. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk about it over lunch. You know, I I don't leave the house for less than a grand. We know that. Well, for the show's 10.30 anyway, so it's more like a midnight snack. (laughs) That's true. That's true. A a grand doesn't even pay your HVAC guy. I know. I know it doesn't. (laughs) I know. That's true. Uh, remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey, kids. We will talk to you tomorrow. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.